Hello, my friends. This is Rick Thomas, and you're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. This is Eclectic Eclectic Thursday. I just made that title up because I have several topics that I want to cover in this episode. It's going to be one of those episodes. I just want to jump from topic to topic to topic because our goal here is to serve people as effectively as we can. And we do have a lot of questions that come in and and we want to interact and help people. And we have zillions of words and we have all sorts of podcasts and videos and articles for people that we try to lead people around our website so they can land on the appropriate resource to help them with whatever it is they're going through. We also have forums where we interact with people throughout our days. And so we do have all these resources and opportunities available. We still continue to get questions that come in on a daily basis. And so I thought, well, what if I just, rather than just working through one topic in a 30-minute podcast, what what about if I just jump from topic to topic? And so this is Eclectic Thursday, and I'm going to try to deal with a number of topics in this episode. It's episode 328. I titled it, Why Some People Prefer Bondage Over Freedom. And that's one of the topics. And what I mean by that is that some people have been under so much bondage for so long that they learn to adapt to their harsh surroundings, to where they might not want incarceration, but they accept incarceration over freedom because it's hard for them to think about a life of freedom. And even when freedom stares them in the face, they are hesitant about accepting it. Well, I want to talk about that as one of the topics here. Again, episode 328, why some people prefer bondage over freedom is a thing. But first, I want to share with you a note that was sent in, an email was sent in by Chris, uh, the marriage and family pastor of Calvary Chapel in Sarasota. I went down, Lucia and I went down in the middle of April and did a marriage conference. I did five talks while I was there. And then when I came back, I took all five of those talks and I built five keynote presentations, uh, PowerPoint presentations, and then talked through those. And so basically, I mean, what I created was five one-hour webinars, which was a recreation of the talks that I gave at Calvary Chapel in mid-April. And then every week I would do a new talk, and I just finished the fifth one this week, and I sent it to Chris, and I said, here you go, now you have the whole package, uh, so that those who attended the conference, not only did they receive this information live as I was presenting it to them, but now they can sit back and they can watch these five one-hour webinars through the, the keynote presentation and receive all this information again. Of course, you can slow it down, or in my case, you can speed it up because people get on me for talking slow, but I'm a southern boy and southern people can talk slow nevertheless you can also stop it as well and focus on the slides and 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 take the notes and so forth the reason that i do this is because i am aware that a conference can be kind of like a pep rally to where there's a lot of excitement there's there's a saturation of information and it's hard to process everything. As one man told me at this conference, he said, I've never taken so many notes in my entire life. And there is a lot of note taking. There's a lot of information. There's a lot to process. And I'm aware of that. And it all lodges in our short-term memory, which means Monday's coming where uh, we get back to our day-to-day activities and our minds become cluttered and and some of this information we can lose. And so what I try to do with our conferences is 
extend them. In this case, this conference has been extended for well over a month now because every week I would give Chris a new one-hour webinar of the freshly created uh, from the talk that I gave in mid-April. Well, so I sent him all five, and now they have the package, and you can watch all of those talks. They're on our website. Go to the video link. Just what you want to do is you just want to hit the watch the watch button in the navigation bar, and if you hit that, you'll go to our video page, and if you scroll down to webinars, you can watch those five webinars at your leisure. Well, Chris sent a note back, and I wanted to share that with you. Here's what he said. He says, we have had several conferences in the past eight years, and we've never had anyone go above and beyond as you have done. Thank you for continuing to bless the marriages of our church family. It truly is a great blessing. God bless. Well, thank you, Chris, for your kind note, and it that was above and beyond what I expected, uh, but but I'm glad that you appreciated it. I'm glad that you acknowledged that. But one of the things that he said here in this note, thank you for continuing to bless the marriages. And so we have been gone for more than a month, but we are continuing to bless the marriages, and that's how we do conferences. So if you would like for me to come and speak at your church, then I would just appeal to you to ask. Go to the contact button in the footer of any page of our website and just ask, and and we would be glad to set that up. But, But what we want to do is to do more than just show up on a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, We want to extend the conference so that this information can lodge in your long-term memory so that it can do what I have asked God to do with these things that he's providing for us, and that is transformation. For those of you who support our ministry, I want you to make sure you don't miss this valuable point as well. Because of your support, I can come back and sit down and and grind through these hours of building uh, these keynote presentations and making them uh, uh, put in audio to them and then doing all the post production. There there's a lot of hours that's involved in doing this. Well over a hundred hours, and I want you to know that. Uh, you're helping uh, by your support. And so this is a true community effort. And Chris, thank you so much for acknowledging, uh, not acknowledging that. Episode 328, one of the topics that I do want to cover in this podcast is why some people prefer bondage over freedom. But the first topic that I want to talk about is to let you know, many of you already know, that Julie Hansen, our lead administrator for our ministry, passed away on Wednesday, May the 19th, early in the morning, uh, around 8.15, 8.30 in the morning in outside Wilbur, Washington. And so I, would, I want to thank you for your uh, prayers. Uh, many of you have been following her decline with ALS over the past few years. I want to thank you for those of you who have given to their GoFundMe account. And that account is still active for those of you who want to give. If you're able to, Ron, her husband, they have tremendous medical expenses, just huge medical expenses. And now they have funeral expenses that they will have to uh, pay. And if you can help, uh, it would be wonderful. Ron is a a farmer. Uh, They live uh, frugally, Uh, not extravagantly, and they do need uh, that financial support if you can can help them. But I did want you to know that uh, Julie passed away 
uh, on May 19th, Wednesday morning. And it's just a sad time. That's all I can say. Uh, it's a little bit of a surprise. She has been declining rapidly over the past six months, uh, but we never thought six months ago that we would be in be in this place. But but here we are. I would imagine that when she broke her hips a couple of weeks back, that that really sped things up as her body was working overtime. That happens a lot when a person is declining and they have physical problems. Their body cannot uh, fend itself. It cannot take care of itself. And then when you add something like two broken hips, it just wears the body down. And her body was already wearing down and then they had this complicating problem and 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 she passed away uh, one of our uh, other team members brandy Huerta, uh, very good friends with julie she had already planned last week to fly up to washington and spend time with her having no clue none of us had a clue that she would pass away. And so Brandy was up there this week and she was with her when Julie passed away. And so that was a marvelous thing that God did, just a marvelous thing uh, that God would have uh, Julie and Brandy together. They love each other. They became fast friends a long time ago. They both work for our ministry. Brandy is a a supervisor for our mastermind uh, program. It does a fabulous job. Matt and Brandy, uh, Brandy's husband, uh, they went up to see Julie a couple of years ago. And so there's a lot. Uh, there's several people from the community that, that have been there. Uh, we, Lucia and I have been there. We went in, in October of 2019 and just spent time with her as she continued to decline with the a ALS. And this was Brandy's second or third trip I don't remember but uh, she was there when Julie passed away and I want you to know those of you who gave on the GoFundMe account that Brandy read your comments to Julie uh, so Julie heard all the kind words that you shared on the GoFundMe account and so I want you to know uh, just be encouraged how God used you to encourage uh, Julie uh, as she was preparing to meet her creator, uh, that he orchestrated a fabulous thing by putting in on Brandy, Brandy's heart to go visit with Julie and then for Brandy to share your words of encouragement with her. And then she went on to heaven. And so that's just a remarkable testimony. And I wanted to take some time in this podcast uh, just to thank you for uh, for your kind words of encouragement. And I want you to know that they made it. Uh, they made it to Julie because she hadn't been able to get on the internet and do all the things that she was so accustomed to doing because her body had given up on her. But uh, Brandy flew up and carried your words to her. And you were a great encouragement to our friend. The second topic that I want to cover here is called mental clarity in in close relationships. And what I mean by that is that when you have a relationship that you want to work, you want it to work so badly, but it's not working uh, because the other person is being a knucklehead, uh, they're being unkind, they're being resistant, they're not walking in humility, and that relationship is just not working. Well, the person who is on the receiving end of of that nonsense, uh, they have mental clouds. 
is what I'm calling it. Their 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 minds are are clouded up. It's like a a hayloft uh, that it's like a barn on fire, and the hayloft is just full of smoke. And it's hard to think clearly when you have these mental clouds that happen inside of a relationship that's not working. Now, if the relationship is abusive and if it's at that level, you need to escape the relationship. So I'm not talking about that kind of relationship, but just an intense, nonsensical relationship, what shouldn't be happening, especially among two professing believers. But when those relationships are complicated like that, for example, if a dad was you know, yelling at his daughter, for example, or yelling at his son, imagine what that would do for the child. It would create mental clouds, and it would be hard for that child to think clearly about what they need to do and how they need to respond because of the adverse dynamics that are happening in that moment. Well, one of the, I want to give you a few thoughts about about this, uh, how to respond. And again, and I'm I'm not talking about the the worst kinds of these relationships, you know, like some of you've heard me describe my relationship with my father, uh, who was just a vulgar drunk. Uh, who is verbally just a very harsh and unkind individual. So I'm not talking about those intense, those long-term, intense, unrelenting relationships. And I know that some of you are in that because you tell me so. But just more run-of-the-mill, adverse relationships, maybe that's the way that I can, can say it. So here's a few things to think about. One is that y- you you don't want to work too we can want the relationship to work too badly. We can want the relationship to work so much. And when you want something so much to work, and when someone is so resistant to make it work, then you have the collision of two immovable forces. I want it so badly, and you're so resistant. And when those two things are constantly pushing against each other, it's hard uh, to have clarity about what's going on. And so one of the things that you want to think about is not wanting the relationship so much. Now, I know that's easier said than done, but there are some relationships to where it's just not going to work or it's not going to work right now, and somebody needs to back off. And if the knucklehead on the other end is not going to stand down and walk in humility, one of the things that then you want to think about is, okay, I want this too much, and so I, God help me not to want it so much. Now, once you can let off the throttle of desire enough, then you will have more clarity about how to think about the relationship, which is the point of this topic I'm bringing up, mental clouds. Now, another thing that creates these mental clouds, one is wanting the relationship too much. Another is being afraid of them. They are angry. They are overreactive. uh, They are hostile and other forms of pride. You're afraid of them. And whenever fear 
uh, happens, uh, then that clouds up the mind as well. And so we could want something so much that we lose objectivity. Uh, we could have so much fear because of their anger, their overreaction, their hostility. That will create mental clouds. And and the point that I'm making here is what are some of the causes of these mental clouds that keep us from thinking objectively about what's going on in the relationship. And so wanting it too much or being afraid of them because of their hostility and and their anger, you can also be afraid of saying the wrong thing, that you don't want to offend them. You don't want to uh, cause any more harm, and so you walk around on eggshells. Well, if you spend your days walking around on eggshells, it's going to be hard to think clear as well. And then a fourth point would be that they have gaslit you so much uh, to where you cannot think clearly. So all four of these points can create mental clouds. Either you want something so much, or you are afraid of them, or you are afraid of saying the wrong thing, or they have gaslit you. And if any of these four things are operative in your mind, and some of you might say, well, all four of those things are operative in my mind. Well, if they are, then you will have mental clouds and it will be hard to think clearly about the relationship. And so here are some things that I would like for you to consider to help mitigate or to vaporize these clouds so that you can think more objectively. One is I want you to examine uh, what, what do they have that you want so badly what 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 is why do you want the relationship so so much and that's a conversation that you need to have i know it's a complicated conversation and i know there's a lot to say about that but just at a very basic and plain black and white way why do i want that relationship uh, so much and you need to walk through that now i would recommend that you have someone to help you to walk through that because my next point here is that you're going to have to tone down uh, this desire you're going to have to tone it down and ask god to help you that i'm not getting what i want this person is not changing i can't have the relationship that i want with this person and so it's on you to think differently about the relationship and i again i don't want you to hear this as me being judgmental of you i'm just saying a very black and white thing you can't have this relationship the way that you want it because the other person is the knucklehead uh, they're walking in pride and they're refusing the change and so therefore it behooves you to examine why you want it so badly and i'm not even saying that what you want is wrong i'm just saying examine why you want it so badly number two you'll ask ask god to help you to tone down uh, the desire so it's not so controlling over you because you need space so that you can think clear and maybe even have a more effective action plan to help the person who is obviously caught uh, in sin, who is hostile towards you. And then number three, have a friend. 
who can keep you mentally aligned. I have found this to be hugely benefiting in relationships. When you're in a relationship tussle with somebody, you need somebody outside of that relationship who is not caught up in the weeds of it that you can talk to and they can help keep you mentally aligned. And then the fourth point is, uh, is to permit the canon God's word to keep you aligned. I use the word canon because that means a ruler, like a ruler, like a yardstick, like a 12-inch ruler. The canon uh, keeps you aligned. And, and the more that you keep your mind managed by God's word, the more you will not be managed by the nonsense that somebody is perpetrating on you. And so four things to think about when the hayloft is on fire and your mind is full of smoke or clouds. One, examine why you want the relationship so badly. Two, tone down that desire. Ask God to weaken that desire in your mind so it doesn't have as much control over you mentally. Number three, have a friend to help you to stay mentally aligned, that objective person who's not in the weeds with you. And then number four, permit uh, the canon, the ruler, to keep you aligned uh, as you bury yourself in God's word. And then that will relinquish the power that that individual has over you, which will allow you to think more clearly about what's going on. This is episode 328. I titled it, Why Some People Prefer Bondage Over Freedom. I want to talk about that now. Topic number number three. Why Some People Prefer Bondage Over Freedom. The passage of Scripture that I'm thinking about here, a familiar one with you, is after the Hebrew children left Egypt, after they crossed the Red Sea, and almost like instantaneously after they crossed the Red Sea, what did they start doing? They started grumbling. They started grumbling about where they were and about what was going on in their lives. Not only were they grumbling But they were telling Moses, we want to go back to Egypt. Do you hear what they were saying? We are free people now. We have been freed from hundreds of years of slavery, but we want to go back to where we were incarcerated because we had rather live there than to live in freedom. Sometimes some people prefer bondage over freedom because that is all that they know. This thought came to me as I was listening to the book In Order to Live. The book was written by Yaomi Park. Uh, she was born raised in, in communist North Korea. And through a series of circumstances that she talks about in the book, she finally made it to the United States. And one of the things that she talked about when she first came to the United States is that she was overwhelmed by the freedom. That she was so overwhelmed by the freedom of living in the United States that there was a temptation on her part to go back to communist North Korea. It is a living day illustration of what the Israelites were saying after they crossed the Red Sea. All they knew, they were born and reared in Egypt. 
All they knew was incarceration. All they knew was a life of punishment and imprisonment and and beatdown and heavy-handed governmental authority that when they stepped across the Red Sea and things started going sideways from for them from their perspective that they started grumbling about this new freedom they had and wanted to go back to Egypt well this is what Yeoming Park uh, was saying in her book in order to live by the way there's a link here if you want to uh, go out and and get that book it's a very good read but here's some of the things that she was saying. Like in America, there were too many choices. See, imagine when you live in a place where there's only one choice. There's only one box of cereal, if there's any cereal at all. But there were too many choices, and her mind could not. Her mind had never been trained that way to think about multiple choices. Not only choices, but there were risk for those personal choices. Because if you have 10 choices that you can make, as opposed to only one that's dictated to you, well, then well, how do I know I made the right choice? Uh, there is a risk for personal freedom. There's a risk for personal choice. And so there was too much responsibility for all of her choices. It was easier for her to trust her captors because her captors gave her an easier way of life than personal agency and I would put easier way of life in, in quotation marks because you know, what do you mean easier way of life? Well, in context of what I'm sharing with you, that was an easier way of life. And she was tempted to want to go back to North Korea where all the decisions were made and the lifestyle was dictated and she knew uh, what was black and what was ro- white, what was right, what was wrong. She knew the path that she could walk and and there were no personal agency. There was no choice. There was no responsibility. It was an incarcerated life. And then she came to a place to where uh, all of that was taken away and she was living in freedom and the temptation was to grumble. I've seen several other illustrations of this in my life. In fact, I mentioned one earlier, at least the, the about the cereal I was talking about. That's a true story. Our missionary friend, Christine, came from Peru. They've been in Peru forever. And she's an American, but she's been in Peru for many, many years. And in Peru, there's only one box of cereal at their little outpost where they live in the jungles of uh, outside of Pucampa, if there's any cereal at all. And when she came to the state, she was standing in a grocery store, and she was in the cereal aisle, and she saw all of these choices, and she froze. She, could, she was paralyzed. She couldn't choose because there were so many choices. My brother was like this as well. My brother uh, went to prison first time when he was 18 years old, and he was in prison most of his life. He got out several times, three times to be exact, and each time he got out, he would do things to go back in. He became an institutionalized convict, meaning he learned how to live on the out, on the inside, but he did not know how to live on the outside. Therefore, when he got on the outside, he was like Yomi Park. It's like, I need to go back to North Korea. In his case, he needed to go back to prison, so he would do things to go back to prison because that's where he was comfortable. This point, this topic I'm making is why some people prefer bondage over freedom. And he was like the Israelites on the other side of the Red Sea. I'd rather go back to Egypt, and so he chose prison. By the way, legalism is another illustration uh, legalistic religious culture. Legalism is a full-time, a f- fertile context 
for those who are insecure, those who need someone to tell them what to do, those who aren't comfortable with personal agency, uh, those who don't like the risk of personal choices, don't like owning the responsibility. They'd rather live in a culture where everything's mandated for them. Here's the kind of Bible that you read. Here's the kind of clothes that you wear. Here's the places that you go. Here are the people that you hang out with. Legalism gives you a bondage that releases you from the freedom that God offers in his gospel. And then here's another illustration, victims. And I've already mentioned that. Iomi Park was a victim of, of abuse. But, but victims, other types of victims that you are aware of, they can start believing the bondage of their captors and believe that that is preferable to freedom, even, even when they have mental clarity, like what, what I was talking about in the previous topic. Even when they have mental clarity and they know that this is nonsense, they still choose. There's a temptation to choose bondage over the freedom. And then another illustration is those who are addicted, like to drugs, for example. The drug addict, when they have mental clarity, they know what they're doing is dumb. They know that what they're doing is wrong. They know that they need to be free from it, but they are addicted to it, and so they choose the bondage. And there's several illustrations that I've just given you to make the point of why some people prefer bondage over freedom. Now, if you're helping someone like this, there, there are three things that I would encourage you to do. One, be patient with them. I want you to think through what I've just been sharing with you. This is it's, it's a little more complicated than just stop it or just get over it. They've been in bondage all of their lives, the Hebrew people, and just say, get over it. Well, that's easier said than done. And so one, be patient with them. Two, understand their perspective. Step inside their psyche, their soul, and understand them. And then three, help them to understand their thinking. Be patient with them, understand them, and then help them to understand themselves. This is episode 328. Why some people prefer bondage over freedom. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.